Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Do not, do not, do not, I repeat, do not touch that dial. You heard the man. It's time for Fox Sports Sunday. We've got a lot on the docket tonight, so let's get busy. And on that note, please put your seat backs forward, your trade tables upright. We are ready for takeoff. My name is Bernie Frado. I'm coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern, along with my savvy, capable veteran crew, Bo Benson, Chris Perfett and Brian Finley on the updates as they will man the ship from our Los Angeles compound, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. Tonight, as usual, we are loaded to the max. We've got NFL previews. I've got updates on Charles Barkley and the Live Tour, uh, some NBA stuff, college football movement, and even the story. We'll do this about an hour from now. The story behind the famous Dodger dog phenomenon. That plus, what kind of brand new fool are you and what my name in the final hour? But first, before we take a quick dive into the morass known as name, image, likeness, college football media days are upon us, and one subject keeps coming up, whether the coaches like it or not, and that is name, image, and likeness. In fact, coaches take the podium and... It dominates the questions. It dominates the subject matter that's discussed. And coaches are inundated with questions. And I frankly think that uh, it's not only taken on a life of its own, but starting to become a little bit of a drag on the perception of the sport 
there's no uniformity. Uh, there's no structure. Uh, it's basically become a free-for-all, and they're really not even using name, image, and likeness. They're just writing big checks to the tune of $917 million cumulatively. Now, I've said a million times, name, image, and likeness is an idea whose time has come. I'm not questioning it, questioning its uh, legitimacy. I'm not questioning that it, it's its intention. It's just that the practical manifestation of how it's been rolled out has created uh, has created issues. Okay, and I know that unfortunately people selectively listen, not just to me, but selectively listen, and so they may interpret my opening statement as that I'm against uh, nil. No, I'm not. I'm merely reporting what's been happening here in the last week since Media Day has been dominated by this conversation. I mean, if you want me to dive in and give my two-cent opinion, you want my fix? Uh, Lane Kiffin talked about a salary cap. Why? Don't do that. If someone wants to write uh, the second-string uh, tackle from Wesleyan State a million dollars, so what? That's their money. And if they don't care if they get return on investment, that's not my problem, and maybe they'll get great return on their investment. Don't I don't count anybody else's money. So I don't. I'm not. You know, there's a there's a meme going around the internet. Lane Kiffin sent his daughter to buy some clothes or something, and she spent seven hundred dollars, and he got all upset. And he didn't really get upset. He just he, he, you could see the look on his face. It wasn't good, and he wasn't happy. And what the hell, the dude makes seven point two million a year. So uh, ease up, there, fella. Now you want a salary cap on. NIL. Well, I don't want the salary cap. Pay them all they want. But you know what? How about if how about if we did this? Hear me out. How about if that money had to remain in a trust until they graduated from their school? You don't graduate, you don't get half the money. Fine. You want to drop out? You don't have to get half the money. Transfer schools and you start over. In the meantime, what if they set up a situation where each athlete can collect on a weekly basis a reasonable stipend siphoned off from their NIL deal so they can still have walking around money and stop complaining about how exploited they used to be. I think they're more exploited now than ever. College athletes are exploited far more now than ever, given the advent of NIL and the first-year observations. The quarterbacks out of Texas never taken a snap, going to Ohio State, promised a million dollars. They barely get on the field there. They transfer back to Texas. Now they might sit behind Arch Manning. This isn't funny. People's lives are at stake here, and the, the intended... This is what I would call the law of unintended circumstances. Kids that are busting their ass, going to college, playing college football, a major sacrifice, not just college football, basketball, baseball. How about all the Olympic sports? And not just men, but women sacrificing their time. They're doing it because they love it, and they're trying to better themselves. And the ideological purpose behind schools and universities is to prepare you to go on in life. But this has become a feeding frenzy. And it's gone crazy. One year into this experiment, allowing athletes to profit from their name, um, you know, there's, there's, I'll give you one case that's to me sort of the poster child, and that's former University of Pitt receiver Jordan Addison. Okay, he was, he had a great year last year uh, in the Panthers' run to the ACC championship. Uh, Jordan Addison won the Blitnikoff Award as the nation's top pass catcher. He's now at USC after a controversial exit where name, image, and likeness played a starring role. Now, by outward appearance, it sure looked like the Trojans were just able to poach Pitt's best player. 
the one that the school had, Pittsburgh had developed into the star. And he was, you know, when he stepped foot on campus, he was sort of a, well, he's better than a middle-of-the-road prospect. But, look, he had an NIL, NIL deal reported to be in the millions of dollars. And the perception, that has tainted the local fans' view of NIL as a whole. Uh, but the, 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 the bottom line is that maybe this one case shouldn't color the entire big picture view of the topic and consider a little bit more broader context of the sports power structure because these institutions have primarily benefited uh, from the athletes and they've and they've highly paid their coaches for decades kirby smart very deservedly just got an 111 million dollar deal but then he comes out and says college players shouldn't be paid 10 grand a month why? I mean, what does it matter? If, you, if you're if you not writing the check, why do you care? And if you don't want those kind of players on your team, then don't recruit them. I'm merely saying add a little structure. All right? And you heard my opening statement. Maybe you don't get all your money till you graduate. You don't want to graduate, you get half your money. You transfer schools, you start over. I'll tell you, I'll throw one other thing in there. Rather than being a junior in high school and skipping your senior year and short-circuiting your life now because you're in your second school, you may not beat out Arch Manning. You might, I don't know, I'm talking about Quinn Ewers. I'm sure he's a fine young man. He was a stud quarterback in Texas. I don't think this is a script he would have written for his life. And NIL has a lot to do with the choices he made. So maybe you can't be eligible for an NIL deal until you've already been at school for a year. You've completed your freshman year. You are now enrolled at the school and you are, you know, you, they are actually using your name, your image, and your likeness associated with the university that you play for, all right? The thing about it is there, there, there's a lesson from this, and that is what is happening with NIL is bringing skepticism to the table. And then you are bringing negative connotations on message, message boards, and you're bringing all sorts of what I would consider to be distractions taking you away from what you're there to do practically speaking i don't think anybody can de- can deny there are a lot of diverse opinions having to do with nil uh you know and part of the issue here too is finally the ncaa has instituted free and easy transfer rules it's only been in recent last couple of years that you've been able to the freedom of movement you know the transfer portal and such you pair that with NIL, and it's created an appearance that college sports are just sort of this Wild West free-for-all, and that's what they become. No player commitments are binding. Now, I get it, man. There's a second side of that argument. When I played college baseball, the college coach who recruited me, Bob Pomeroy, a great man, he actually had retired after my freshman year. That's his right. I didn't know. I ended up transferring schools because I went there for him. And the long and the short of it is, Where's the player protected when the coach leaves? The coaches can come and go when they want, but the players couldn't, but now they can, right? There are no player commitments. Well, there are no coaching commitments either. And in the Addison case, turns out his position coach, Brennan Marion, basically helped use his star success, Jordan Addison, to find himself a high-profile gig at the University of Texas. Aha! You might not have known that part of the story, did you? So Jordan Addison, they try to make him out to look like the bad guy because he goes to USC for a ton of money, but his position coach, who coached Jordan Addison, gets to go to Texas. 
So neither left with obstruction, as do has been the case for head coaches who chase enormous amounts of money, and that's okay. This is America. So then, in the final argument, if the coaches can't, if the coaches can do it, then why not the players? And that's the fundamental issue of fairness that I think fans should keep in mind. This is a highly charged situation. Now. The NCAA, I don't know how they govern this. What are they, I, I do believe that there has to be that some uniformity, all right? Uh, there has to be some different set of rules now that we have observed uh, that sometimes the slippery slope that college football finds itself in starts to become more of a distraction to the point to where you head to uh, – media day and instead of talking about the upcoming season of the game October 8th versus Texas A&M you're talking about NIL and in the pejorative and coaches get defensive and they're tired of hearing about it so look uh, do the rich get richer I don't know maybe to a degree I guess it's always been that way you can't really stop it there's always been some form of NIL it was just seemingly behind the curtain right and uh, I, I would say that there are no easy solutions uh, there are no there are no simple questions uh, or there are no simple answers to the questions we're posing here. I would just say this: that my conclusion is that once again I'm repeating myself. There's no structure; it's a free for all. There's no uniformity, and what's interesting is I would bet the vast majority of good college football fans don't know who don't know the name Jordan Addison off the bat off the top of their mind. So you're paying millions. Are you paying millions? For him, so you can parlay that for his name, image, and likeness. Let's say I'll give you an example. Let's say you let's. I'm just throwing the name out, so don't lose your mind. Let's say you were a big Tim Tebow fan, and you said, "I really want Tim Tebow to do commercials for my automobile dealership, or for my my protein bar, or or for my uh, investment firm, whatever." And there's your name, image, and likeness, and he's giving an endorsement, and he's paid for that. And also, by the way, that's under the guys at the University of Florida where he paid. Are you really seeing that? What, show me where the commercials are. Show me the, where, where the advertisements are. What we're seeing is this, this free-for-all. So I would say that in the next year or two, one of two things is going to happen. You're going to see some uniformity, or you're going to see less checks written. I really believe that. Almost a billion dollars was written their first year. And again, I don't count anybody's money, but when you are engaged now in something that ideologically was supposed to be for the great benefit of the individual athlete so they could live like a normal human being, well, it hasn't become that, has it? Coming up, speaking of another highly charged situation, I want to talk about Charles Barkley and ask you the question, can you hold two thoughts concurrently? Because once again... This is a situation that's not so easy to unpack. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 
Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller. It would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play all right back on fox sports sunday fox sports radio bernie fratto coming to you live from the las vegas fox sports radio studios we'll take you up to 3 a.m pacific 6 a.m eastern just getting started and you know what else is just getting started the live tour but i said months ago that don't poo poo these guys they are going to be making a name for themselves now i'm already on record i'm not sanctimonious i'm not grandstanding i, I couldn't take their money i'm not going to go into why I don't have extravagant tastes. I don't need generational money for the next 50 years. When I die, my kids will inherit a nice little sum of money, and they can continue to work and be productive citizens and have a little money too. That's just me. All right? I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling Barkley what to do. By the way, it was reported this week that they're setting their sights after David Faraday joins LIV. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama, the 2021 Master Champion, I think they're, they're trying to corral him. Now, he hasn't committed anything yet. Again, don't li- listen carefully, folks. I didn't say he is. And Cam Smith gave a very cryptic answer. He just won the British Open last week. If, and the operative word is if, they were to corral those two guys. Are you kidding me? They'd have 10 of the top 40, including the last two majors champions. Or not the last two majors, but two of the most recent. Look, <clears throat> there's an old story about two hunters that were supposedly friends, and they're out in the woods. 
and all of a sudden they see a bear chasing after him. And one of the hunters drops down, reaches into his knapsack, and starts to put on his favorite tennis shoes. And uh, his friend looks at him and says, Ha ha, you really think those shoes are going to help you outrun that bear? And he looks at his friend and says, I don't need to outrun the bear. I just need to outrun you. See, that's how some folks live their lives, and I'm a little concerned that that's what's happening with the live tour here. Although, again, keep in mind, celebrities are human just like us. What I want to do is give opinions of a journalist, but I don't play God. You know, in the movie Casablanca, Claude Rains is mumbling in this one great scene, I can't believe there is gambling in my establishment. And precisely that moment, a croupier hands him an envelope and says, you're winning, sir. You see, there's a lot of hypocrisy in the world, and I'm not here to try to fix it. Charles Barkley, when it comes to you, I can hold two thoughts concurrently. First of all, Charles has, and I don't know what he's going to do. I have a mold told me what he thinks he's going to do, but I don't know what he's going to do with, when it comes to the LIV. And I know they are, they've, they've created a program event he's going to play in coming up, I think, this week in Bedminster, New Jersey. First of all, the old, they don't call him this anymore, the round mound to rebound. You have to remember when he was at Auburn, they called him back. He's, he's, he's the first to admit he's not a superhero, Barkley. He's never claimed to be a public servant. He's never claimed to be a, a role model. He's a former basketball player. He makes his living in a very good one, by the way. I think he makes about $10 million a year just from TNT alone by sharing his opinions. He's paid to have opinions. That's it. And some folks who are you know might be looking for celebrities or public figures to be their heroes and uh, if you're older than 12 years old, well, I think you really have to set yourself up for a little disappointment because they're, they're not that. So before we decide or disapprove of Charles Barkley, I think you have to ask yourself and take a little bit of inventory on our own personal behaviors. This is the part where I hold two thirds, two thoughts concurrently, and I put on my journalistic hat, not my opinion hat, my journalistic hat. Have any of us ever, ever gotten an Uber? Have any of us ever purchased Nike products? Have we watched a Premier League soccer matchup or a game involving a Premier team? Have you ever played Pac-Man, bought a concert ticket from Live Nation, uh, Boeing, uh, flown in a Boeing plane, uh, watched a Disney movie, ESPN? There, there's a lot of products. It, 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 all of these properties, which I just named, have actually received some sort of investment from the same Saudi-owned firm that runs Live Golf. And some of the stakes are still current, while others are past, but whether you like it or not, if you've exchanged your money or time with any of these companies indirectly, you've helped Saudi Arabia's investment firm make some kind of money. By the way, will you be making any calls today or tomorrow using a cell phone that was built in a sweatshop? I'm guessing you're aware of the NBA's conflicts with China or the NFL's previous conflicts with allowing proven domestic violence abusers to continue to play in games. And there are many moral conflicts that we deal with every day. It's the nature of how society works. And unfortunately, some factions of people say, don't do as I do, do as I say. And oh yeah, by the way, many NBA players also play in Russia to supplement their income. Do I really have to unpack that for you? And on the flip side, this is part of the journalistic bent. For a great many folks, LIV is changing the game of golf and changing other people's lives for potentially generations to come. Now, Barkley could use his relationship with LIV to maybe expand his endeavors and hopefully maybe any of his personal businesses while helping family and friends or could participate maybe in charitable activities 
that could end up benefiting some folks in his hometown of uh, in, in Alabama. And that's you know I can't think of the name of the the, the hometown where he grew up. It's it's kind of a distinct name. Uh, but uh, anyway, what if you took that money and did some good things with it? I, I I don't know. This is such a highly charged situation, but he could theoretically earn monies that could provide economic opportunities for the underserved. The bottom line is the new American dream has become a global endeavor. And yes, it's now including Saudi Arabia and maybe it already always had. We just had a president that went there and fist pumped their leader. I can't play God. I told you I wouldn't take the money, but I can't play God. Tell other people what to do. It always has been. You see that look, that being the case, some people might want to still cherry pick their own facts. At the end of the day, look, I I would just say this. I kind of hope Barkley stays with TNT and doesn't go to the live tour. Why? Because Charles Barkley's beloved. And Charles Barkley likes being Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley likes being beloved. He says what he wants, gets away with what he wants pretty much. He's Teflon. And I, I, I would... For all the people that enjoy watching Charles Barkley on TNT and all the things he does and everywhere he's ever been, he's a life of the party. For some people, that's going to change. And Barkley's going to have to live with that the way Phil Mickelson's living with that. Uh, and so if you are Charles Barkley, and frankly, uh, and again, I don't want to count anybody else's money, but from the numbers I've seen, Barkley makes a ton of money. He'll always make a ton of money, and he'll have plenty to leave to his heirs when he passes along, which hopefully won't be for a very, very, very long time because Charles Barkley is good for the sports landscape. He's good for America. He's good for the entertainment medium. Why? Because Charles Barkley is beloved. But for many people, that could change. And I would just say this, my final thought. You cannot, if, if you are beloved in the way Charles Barkley is beloved, you cannot put a price on that. And that's my final thought on this matter for now on what is continuing to be a fluid story. I told you months ago, I compared it to the old AFL coming after the NFL. They are here. The LIV is here. They're not going anywhere. They continue to make more noise. They continue to sign up bigger names. And with each week that goes by, there's a little bit of a crowd mentality of this where their actions aren't going to be needing to be as justified as much as they would have been months ago when Mickelson decided to sign up and get his guaranteed $200 million or whatever it was. Enough of that stuff. Coming up, the NFL is on us. Last week, we talked about the AFC previews only from the standpoints of training camps and weaknesses. Tonight, we're going to dive in to the NFL, and we'll start coming up with the NFC East. But first... Go back to Brian Finley with the latest. Thank you, Bernie. And as we look at Major League Baseball games from Saturday, Mookie Betts of the Dodgers reached a personal milestone. And there's a fly ball to left field, and it is gone. Mookie Betts' career 200th home run. His 22nd of the season, and the Dodgers take a one to nothing lead. That is the voice of the great Charlie Steiner, AM570 LA Sports, Dodgers Radio Network. So Betts hit a home run, and then LA starting pitcher Julio Urias improves to 9-6 and six on the bump after he went six innings and pitched scoreless baseball and five strikeouts as well as the Dodgers are winners against the Giants 4 
to two. That is seven straight wins for L.A. The Braves curbed the Angels seven to two. Shohei Otani got himself a home run, and Atlanta is now just a half game out of first place in the NL East. They are winning, and the leaders in the division, the Mets, are fading, and they lost to the Padres two to one as San Diego's Manny Machado hit a two-run dinger. The Rays best the or excuse me the Royals best the Rays six to three. Brady Singer on the hill, career high twelve strikeouts for him. Justin Verlander mowing through Mariners batters as he takes the Astros to a three-to-one win and has now thirteen wins on his campaign. That's the most by any pitcher in the bigs this season. The Orioles cut down the Yankees six to three. Garrett Cole. Suffers his third loss of the season. He blew a three-run lead in this game as Baltimore gets back to 500. The Brewers topple the Rockies 9-4, and Milwaukee is possessing a a game-and-a-half lead for first in the NL Central. And second place would be the Cardinals. They're hanging in there after beating the Reds 6-3. to PGA Tour has an event this week in Minnesota. It's the 3M Open. And Scott Piercy is enjoying a solo lead at minus 18. Four shots ahead of second. And a 60-60 carded on Saturday has him in that position. Going into today's final round, which he will tee off at 12.35 in the afternoon Eastern time as he looks to close things out. With that, let's get it back to Las Vegas and Bernie Frado. Thanks, Brian. All right, a week from Thursday, the NFL actually has a game. It's the Hall of Fame game, Canton, Ohio. The Raiders will take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I will tell you that when you go six months without an NFL game, I don't care who plays, and even if it's a somewhat meaningless game, uh, you're going to watch probably because it's that time of year and people are ready for it, even though it's uh, you know 111 degrees here in Las Vegas. Last week when I, I broke down the AFC, the AFC West continues to be the most talked about, the most prognosticated, the most uh, the heaviest opinions around the AFC because any one of the four teams, Denver, Kansas City, uh, the Raiders or Chargers, look like they can win it. And, uh, of course, the addition of Russell Wilson to Denver, as, as Tony Miller mentioned about an hour ago, has brought a tremendous amount of betting action in on the Broncos. But what about the Cowboys? And I was pretty hard on the Cowboys last week, last couple of weeks, talking about how they're being faded under 10.5 wins and gave the reasons why. And they only beat two playoff teams last year. They were 2-4 and four versus playoff teams, and both playoff wins were against Philadelphia and their <clears throat> defense uh, is going to, re- we believe, it will, re- will regress. They lost Randy Gregory. Their biggest strength still are their offensive weapons. Uh, now, Dallas did trade away Amari Cooper, and that's a big blow to the group, but they had so much depth that even losing Amari Cooper, receiver is still the Cowboys' strength. They have an extensive array of weapons. They have a tight end by the name of Dalton Schultz who had a breakout season. He was way above PFF grade ranks in every facet of play. You would expect that Tony Pollard will get more involved in other areas this season. And uh, and, and, uh, and Ezekiel Elliott uh, is a, still has gas in the tank, I think. You've got a rookie, Jalen Tolbert. He's got a tremendous skill set that could surprise some people. And, of course, let's not forget about CeeDee Lamb. He's what I believe the team's true alpha receiver. The problem is... And this is the way we've been doing it. We're giving the relative streaks and weaknesses of each divisional team. 
The Cowboys' interior defensive line is their weakness. They have a very glaring weakness at the middle. The recent additions uh, to their defensive line haven't really worked well. Bevel Gallimore, uh, the, the, you know, Ogi, I can't even pronounce the guy's name, Ose Uzubadawa, Zouzua. He needs to take a big leap forward. Uh, I would say that these guys are, you know, they show flashes and they do have some, they can make an occasional game-changing play, but until that happens, the interior line remains a weak point for the Cowboys. So their strength offensive weapons, weakness interior defensive line. Now the New York Giants, their strength of their offensive weapons as well, which seems hard to believe given the last couple seasons, but the Giants do now have a great group of receivers, at least on paper. Now, injuries have been largely responsible for the Giants not being able to be on the field at the same time and enjoying success. And they've been fairly disastrous in the offensive line areas. And Daniel Jones turns the ball over like a bakery. Look, Kenny Galladay was a real disappointment in year one with the Giants, but he still caught 58% of all contested targets. And he, I think, is a very talented receiver. Kadarius Toney, his position may be in question, but he showed some game-changing skills, just needs to be more consistent. Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Wandale Robinson. There's five receivers that make it a pretty, pretty talented group. What are the Giants' weakness? Well, they're secondary. They got rid of James Bradbury because they didn't want to pay him. They left the secondary, leaving very vulnerable on paper. Dory Jackson, he's the only proven corner. He's got a lot of injuries in his history. So both the Cowboys and the Giants, neither team is perfect. They've got their strengths. They've got their weaknesses. How about the Philadelphia Eagles, which has become a very trendy team? Their biggest strength, and this is important, is their offensive line. They used a massive number of offensive linemen last year, thanks in part to resting starters at the end of the year. They actually had 15 different lineups, and they had 15 different offensive linemen that saw snaps. And so when they're healthy... Philadelphia's offensive nine is one of the best in the league, and they got a tremendous amount of depth. They had A.J. Brown to the offense. That can only help if Jalen Hurts can do what he's capable of doing, but again, on a consistent basis, he can benefit from that offensive line. Philly, though, remains weak at the linebacker position. All right, on paper, if they have, now they did draft a stud rookie, N'Kobe Dean. If he plays in the NFL the way he did in college, uh, now he did slip in the draft due to medical concerns, but the pair, you know, the Eagles don't seem they seem to have navigated through that. But Nicobe Dean was the best graded player last uh, season, one of the best defenses in college football history in Georgia, and he was a true leader on the field. So all of a sudden, one man can he shore up that linebacker weakness with the Eagles? Of course he can. And if the Eagles can get him at full strength, the unit becomes a little bit more formidable. That's all to the good. Wrapping it up for the uh, NFC, check that, the uh, NFC East, the Washington Commanders. And, okay, they're not going to be great, but they have a, a strength. Their strength is their defensive line. And they did lose a couple players last year, Tim Settle, to free agency. Washington's defensive front is still by far the strength of the team. Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Chase Young, hopefully he heals from a surgery. That will ensure that the defensive line has plenty of players that will cause problems for opposing offenses, particularly if Chase Young can take, take a step forward in his development. He, uh, Washington, uh, uh, I checked that the commanders, they were a top seven team last, last season in pressure rate, and they did it with an underwhelming season from Chase Young. So getting pressure on the quarterback 
will matter, especially if it, you know if it's Daniel Jones or if it's Dak Prescott or it's Jalen Hurts. Uh, but Washington will mo- most likely not get a lot of pressure from the quarterback position. As you mean, Davis needs to take a big step forward. He's developing. He struggled as a rookie. They have high hopes for him. Transitioning to the NFL at linebacker is very difficult. And, and the tr- truth of the matter is all of Washington's linebackers need to step up big. But I don't think there are a lot of expectations for the Washington Commanders uh, and the NFC East. Frankly, I think that's a division that could be stolen by the New York Giants when you look at their schedule. We'll see if Brian Dable, their new coach, can can step up and, and, and help Daniel Jones the way he helped Josh Allen in Buffalo. And frankly, honestly, I look for Dallas to come back to the pack a little bit. I don't think they're going to win more than 10 games. And I don't have any faith in Mike McCarthy. You know how I feel about him. And, and the other thing, too, is it's a weird division. This is the one division since no one has repeated since 2004. So I think it's wide open. Next up, a little later in the show, we will talk about the NFC South and the strengths and weaknesses of the teams in the NFC South. Coming up, I want a, a couple of quick final postscript notes on the Major League Baseball All-Star Game because there was a phenomenon. We, we hear the salaries. We hear the numbers constantly thrown around. Uh, you heard of you know, Kyler Murray's new deal this week. I want to share with you an interesting statistic about the All-Star Game. And you ask me, if you're the owners of these teams and these players are playing for you, you tell me if you think you're getting market value bang for your buck. Also, Sunday's a uh, week, week ago, Sunday's Major League Baseball draft was a real family affair. According to uh, Axio Sports, for the first time ever, four sons of former big leaguers went in the first round. So as usual, plenty of fodder to uh, challenge your brain here on Fox Sports Sunday. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Dare. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Now we're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern, top of the hour. The Dodger Dog Phenomenon, myth or mouthwatering. I'll give you a little bit of history there. Uh, we just finished the All-Star Game this past week, and there are 12 players, by the way, who signed with new teams this past offseason for at least $100 million. What do they all have in common? First of all, let me give you the names. Corey Seager. Thought he, I love him. He's a great player. Signed with the Rangers. Got $325 million. Marcus Simeon signed with the Rangers also. $175 million. Chris Bryant with the Colorado Rockies, $182 million. He's having a rough go. Matt Olson, of course, replaced Freddie Freeman, signed with the Braves for $168 million. Freddie Freeman, the aforementioned Freddie Freeman from Orange, California, El Medina High School, signs with the Dodgers, $162 million. Javi Baez, the Detroit Tigers, $140 million. Trevor Story signed with the Red Sox for $140 million. Max Scherzer signed with the Mets. For 130 million, Robbie Ray with Seattle Mariners for 115 million. Kevin Gaussman, the Toronto Blue Jays, 110 million. Carlos Correa, the Twins, 105 million. Finally, Nick Castellanos with the Phillies for 100 million exactly. Now that's a a little more uh, of of about um, 1.85 billion dollars invested with not great return other than, well, you got to give Scherzer his dues. I mean, outside of Baez, Simeon, and Castellanos, they're having solid seasons. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and Bryant, Chris Bryant and Max Scherzer, Scherzer's a stud, but he, they've both missed significant time. Uh, so the question I asked, that you know, I teased it, what do they all have in common? What do those 12 players have in common? None of them were selected to last week's All-Star game. So again, it's almost $2 billion invested with not great immediate return so far. Remember, these are all guys who just signed this past offseason for north of $100 million. And again, uh, outside of Javi Baez and, and Trevor Simeon, uh, tre- no, not Trevor Simeon, Marcus Simeon, my goodness. That's, like I said, the NFL's upon us. And Nick Castellanos, they're having solid seasons. I mean, uh, it just shows how hard it is to make an all-star team. So maybe there's a little context there. But be that as it may, uh, we hear these facts and figures. And Juan Soto, we talked about this at length uh, last week. Uh, remember, in March, he turned down $350 million. Now he just turned down 440 Do I think Juan Soto will be traded between now and August 1st? No, I don't. But the Nationals' asking price is they've basically spelled it out. They said, according to Ken Rosenthal, it's going to take four to five top young players which be a combo of prospects and major leaguers with low service time. So you're getting into Herschel Walker territory. I don't know how you even structure a deal like that in 10 days. And remember, the Washington Nationals are about to be sold as well. So 
you would want to think that the new owners coming in would want in on the Juan Soto sweepstakes. Maybe they can, in fact, retain him. And remember, what does Scott Boris always do? He wants to get his players to free agency. Juan Soto was two years for free agency. I believe Scott Boris will be seeking a $500 million deal in free agency uh, for Juan Soto, and it would not surprise me if he gets it. 22 years ago, we just had the 22-year anniversary. Remember when Alex Rodriguez signed that astronomical $252 million deal for the uh, Texas Rangers? And, 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 and look, that was the year 2000. And not only did Alex Rodriguez sign at the time the highest, the highest financial package contract ever offered to any North American team athlete ever. Uh, he doubled the previous highest, which was Kevin Garnett's $126 million. You divide, you take 126 and multiply it times two, that's 252. That's what Scott Boris does. So I, I will tell you, though, I think they had to be out of their mind for turning it down. And I also think that uh, I hope that Juan Soto is able to continue his career healthy. Uh, this is, you know, we always hit these new plateaus and you end when enough's enough. And just when you think you've seen it all, you've seen something new. I don't know how much more Juan Soto can benefit from, a, a you know, a more lucrative contract when 440 is, would be the most of all time ever tendered and received by anybody. The bottom line is Bob, Scott Boris will be the one, but this is what he did. And he hired Boris. He hired Boris for a reason. So uh, add that to the fact that I guess there has been some talk about the average annual salary is $29 million, which wouldn't put him in the top 13. So what? You're getting $440 million, even if that's spread over 44 years. $440 million is half a billion dollars. Finally, and by the way, when, when Juan Soto was just a young buck years ago, you think he thought about this? Jackson Holiday, the son of Matt Holiday, went number one to the Orioles in the draft last Sunday. He joined Ken Griffey Jr. as the only sons of Major League Baseball players to go number one. Drew Jones, spelled D-R-U-W, the son of Andrew Jones, who was a big star for the Braves many years ago, went number two to the Diamondbacks. Justin Crawford, the son of Carl Crawford, went number 17 to the Phillies. And Cam Collier, son of Lou, went number 18 to the Reds. Plus Kumar Rocker, the former number three pick, and Eli Elijah Green, the former number five pick, had dads who also played in the NFL. So it's a family affair when it comes to the NFL draft. I'll be or the Major League Baseball draft this past Sunday. I'll be interested to see how uh, those guys would turn down 440 million should they get to the big leagues anytime soon. Coming up, the Dodger dog phenomenon. Keep it locked right here. This is Bernie Fratto, Fox Sports Radio. The Fox Sports Sunday train keeps rolling right along. Two down, two to go. We're about an hour away from the dance sensation sweeping the nation. Of course, we affectionately call it. What kind of brand new fool are you? Followed by What My Name. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We will take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. We got a ton of stuff yet to, <clears throat> to get to on the docket. Give me a second here. Sorry about that. Just a little dry and hot here in Las Vegas. Got to... Relax my vocal cords for just a second. I don't want to say it was hot here in Vegas today, but I saw a dog chasing a cat. They were both walking. All right. <clears throat> Speaking of dogs, the Dodger dog phenomenon. Now, 
the game was played, the All-Star game was played this past uh, Tuesday in uh, Dodge Stadium, first time since uh, July 1980. And uh, the park is still pristine, still beautiful. It's been around uh, coming up now, gosh, what, 64 years, something along those lines. And, you know, opinions run hot and cold on Dodger Dogs. I like them. Uh, I got to a point when, uh, I want to say around 1997, I'd been to almost every single stadium in baseball except Montreal. And there was one one or two others lurking in there. Uh, I don't think I'd been to a game at Tampa Bay. That was the first year it opened in, in 97. And, and then the new one started opening. And so, you know, between the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati and, and Philadelphia and it, right down the line, I, I fell behind. But I've still been to almost all of them, most of them. And, of course, you always get a hot dog at the ballpark, right? That's that's just simply uh, a rite of passage. And uh, Dodger dogs are good. They're very good to me. Uh, they, they, it's not it's not a you know it's not a a, a, a marketing ploy. Fenway Franks are good uh, uh, for me. Always my favorite though was uh, the old ballpark Franks at the old Tiger Stadium. There was something amazing about them. And I, the only reason I, I said the only reason I think they were number one for me is you they were so good you didn't you didn't want to put any condiments on them. If I get a Dodger dog, I'll put mustard uh, and uh, maybe relish and onions, okay? Uh, but the old hot dogs, Ballpark Frank, uh, ballpark Frank's at uh, Tiger, the old Tiger Stadium. This is going back. Comerica Park opened up in 2000, April of 2000. So you had to be, you know, f- unless you went to Tiger Stadium before that, you didn't go. And that place was amazing anyway. You just get, you get past the cigar smoke and the urine. Dude, there was no better place to see a game and the hot dogs were the best. But Ballpark, but Dodger Stadium dogs to me are very good, and I know I've heard people on this air ripping. They're nothing special about them. They're just not. I don't agree. I don't agree, and there's a reason the Dodgers sell more hot dogs than any other team, and it's by a wide margin. All right. Now it helps, of course, when you have league leading attendance totals in one of the biggest stadiums in baseball. But it's not just a numbers game. It's the legacy of the Dodger dog. It's a signature that's been with the team as long as they've played in Dodger Stadium. The Dodger dog is every bit as entwined with the Dodgers as Vince Scully or Sandy Koufax or Clayton Kershaw. There have been very few changes over the years. All right? There have been a couple of twists to the classic dogs. They've had kosher dogs, veggie dogs, jalapeno dogs, the old Doyer dogs. Some of, you know, some of are better than others. And I understand, I haven't been to a game in Dodger Stadium in, in, in a couple of years, but I understand that they went to a new producer this year, a, a different sausage company, because for whatever reason, the Dodgers could not reach a new agreement with their longtime meat partner, Farmer John. And, I, and I'm telling you, when I say long time, it's 50 years that I can remember. I remember Vince Scully in those commercials, you know, Eastern most in quality, Western most in flavor. Dress fresh locally, whatever the hell that meant. But it's iconic. The core idea here is the same to me. The Dodger dog to me, for all the reasons I just mentioned, is the most iconic hot dog in baseball. And it's what helped make it the most popular. And it's not close. Here are the numbers. Here are the numbers. Heading into the season, this this season we're in now, the Dodgers were projected to sell 3 million hot dogs this year. Now, that represents an uptick over recent years, but not, you know, a huge dramatic one. 
after the team basically averaged 2.7 million dogs in the five years prior. Those are the last seasons with full hot dog data available for comparisons. Actually, not the last five years. You throw out 20 and you kind of throw out 21. From 15 to 19, the average 2.7 million. This was prior pandemic and there weren't restrictions and all those other things you know about we don't need to bore you bore with. As for team projected in second place and what you would, I say this in air quotes, hot dog wars, the Yankees sell 1.2 million. That's, a, that's a, like a third of what the Dodgers sell. That means no one else is even expected to sell half as many hot dogs as the Dodgers, which checks out. No team averaged more than 1.4 million hot dogs a year between 2015 and 2019. Well, the Dodgers not only are pushing 3 million, they uh, averaged 2.7 million in those years. And not only that, the Yankees were one of the most recent to join what's called the Million Dollar Hot Dog Club. The Cubs belong there, the Cleveland Guardians, the Cleveland Indians, if you will, the Texas Rangers, the San Francisco Giants, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Boston Red Sox. So if you're a Dodger fan and you're a Dodger backer, it's part of the overall great experience of what's been one of the best-run franchises in the history of professional sports. And if you ever go to Dodger Stadium, you walk in there, it's so pristine. This is a, a beatdown, all right? Dodger hot dogs versus everybody. You see those T-shirts, Detroit versus everybody? How about Dodger hot dogs versus everybody? Now, these numbers uh, come from, a, you know, a people who keep these keeps this data, and they keep it for very good reason. And, and I will tell you that it's legitimate data, right? Uh, the people who keep these records estimate the Dodger Stadium will account for 15% of Major League Baseball's yearly hot dog sales. That means three of every four people who visit the stadium end up getting some form of Dodger dog while they are enjoying the game at Dodger Stadium. Now, um, the next question, of course, is Dodger Stadium the individual building, building not having to do with baseball, it could be anything that sells the most hot dogs in the U.S. We don't know that. There, there's no data. There's no way to really track that. Uh, the one comparison, I think it had come up, the Chicago dog at O'Hare Airport. They sell lots of hot dogs to people coming through, but they I don't think they keep track the way Dodger, they, they do at Dodger Stadium. So how did this happen? How did, how did the Dodger dog even get its name, right? And just a couple of stats because people love their stats. The Dodger dog, it's not a foot-long hot dog. It's actually 10 inches, and it's 100% pork. Now, if you can, you can also get a 100% beef hot dog if you go for the Super Dodger dog. And now they've even got a, and I hold my nose, they've got a plant-based version available as well. Nothing against the plant-based diet. If I had a nickel for every time I hear about the plant-based diet now, I'd have my own private jet with 24-hour access. But if you're going to go to the ball game and have a hot dog, maybe you take a break from your plant-based diet. That's just me, all right? But how did Dodger game, the, the, the name Dodger Dog get its name? Well, the story comes that it came from a longtime Dodger Stadium commissions manager named Thomas Arthur. And back in 1962, he was hired. He was the ballpark, the Dodger Stadium's ballpark, first ever inaugural season in 62. Thomas Arthur had originally considered marketing the dogs as calling him the footlong dog. But he didn't want anybody to complain because 
he knew that if he called it a foot-long dog, it was actually two inches longer than it really was. So it seemed better to go with the old truth in advertising and call it something else. But he wanted to come up with a catchy name, something that would roll off the tongue, something that a vendor could shout out when he's heading down, up and down the aisles. And boom, somehow Dodger Dog was born. Now, clearly... By the time the Dodgers got to Los Angeles and by the time they opened in 1962, the hot dog was already pretty synonymous with baseball, right? You've heard the stories about what Babe Ruth eating 13 hot dogs before a game or something. And and, and basically, you know, the Dodgers and their popularity in their hot dogs grew together as the national pastime became more and more professionalized. And somehow this marriage between the Dodgers and hot dogs and the Dodger dog became this perfect match. And it's even been written about in books. Uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Bruce Craig, he's, a, he's actually a hot dog historian and the author of a book called Hot Dogs, A Global History and Man Bites Dog, Hot Dog Culture in America, that's a long title, says, quote, that the hot dog offers enough material to fill one book and then another. So interestingly enough, as our national pastime grew, the turn of last century, then, after coming out of World War II, and then obviously the real heyday for baseball began, I believe, in the 50s because there was the marriage of baseball and television. It would never be the same. Uh, hot dogs were right there. Baseball grows. The fandom grows. The hot dog is going along for the ride. But then the Dodger dog comes around. Again, I would. my research shows that by the time the Dodger dog was invented, Hot dogs had already been sold to ballparks for 50 years. But it managed to sort of unlock this new potential and all, and create this attention that a hot dog could never have been able to do. Now, part of the factor is the size, okay? You go to a regular ballpark, the average hot dog is about six inches. On the other hand, a foot long, sometimes those, you know, they protrude outside the bun. They're, they're, they're visually great, but maybe not as great. Something about the 10-inch... Dodger dog works because it it just uh seems to fit you get more it 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 it's it's slightly longer than the bun but doesn't overwhelm the bun it makes them feel like they're getting more bang for their buck it's aesthetically pleasing and the fact that the Dodger dog was the perfect length set up its success from the start they also taste good and yeah there's something about eating a hot dog at the ball game it tastes better i get that but you can also buy at least you maybe you still can i don't know Farmer uh, John hot dogs in the in the grocery store and bring them home and make them at home and yeah they still taste good there not quite the same as the ballpark they're gonna prepare it the same they do or maybe you barbecue it they don't whatever the case may be but the Dodger dog for me clearly honestly is one of the more notorious one of the more iconic aspects of all the things that surround Major League Baseball and of all the years I lived in Orange County I must have gone to Dodger games hundreds of times over many decades and never not went and had at least two Dodger dogs. Yeah, I think they taste good. I know there are naysayers. Oh, there's nothing special about them. They're just a gimmick. No, it's not. Because you couldn't sell that many over a 60-year period and have these kind of numbers where you're overwhelmingly doubling your competition, including another iconic franchise, the New York Yankees, unless you really got something. Coming up, let's throw it to the crew. Let's see what they think. They all live within a stone's throw at Dodger Stadium. And we'll put it to them. The Dodger dog, myth or mouthwatering? 
coming up. We'll get the crew participation on the phenomenon known as the Dodger Dog. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Stick and stay right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare zumo play is your destination for endless entertainment with a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels movies and full tv series you'll easily find something to watch right away and the best part it's all free love music get lost in the 90s with iheart 90s dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iheart radio music channels no logins no signups no accounts no hassle so what are you waiting for start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and google play stores today all you can stream with zumo play all right we're back on fox sports sunday fox sports radio bernie fratto coming to you live from the las vegas fox sports radio studios talking about dodger dogs myth or mouthwatering you know baseball officially began in america in 1846 the hot dog the food hot dog didn't arrive until about 15 years after that but it wasn't until about 50 years after that that you started seeing hot dogs being sold at Major League Baseball parks. It took a young German immigrant who was an entrepreneur who owned the ballpark in St. Louis, which is home to the St. Louis Browns. He decided that the German Frankfurter would be a hit, and he was right. You could put it in a bun. Fans uh, didn't need utensils, and we have not looked back. So we bring it out to the crew. Hot dogs, Dodger dog style, Dodger dogs, myth or mouthwatering. Brian Finley, what say you? Bernie, I'm a Padre fan. I have never been to Dodger Stadium. I've never had a Dodger dog. And I actually think hot dogs are pretty gross. So That's fair. Yeah. No, that's fair. I, you, you know, I got to be honest, Brian. A lot of folks share your opinion that they just think hot dogs are gross. And so it's interesting. You've never been to Dodger Stadium, huh? No, I would like to go soon. I definitely want to make it out there. But I just have this allegiance to San Diego and the Padres. And we all know how heated that rivalry can be. No, fair enough. I appreciate your honesty. And uh, if you do get to a Dodger game, uh, will you try a Dodger dog? I might. 
I can't imagine a hot dog, and this is me without even having one, Bernie, to taste that much different than another one. I mean, is is it like wine here? Are we testing out wine and closing our eyes and trying to guess what it is? But is there that much of a flavor difference between a pack of them I get at a grocery store compared to one that is just finished being cooked at Dodger Stadium? Fair question, but you know, Brian, actually there, there kind of is. Yeah. There kind of is, but interesting answer. All right, Christopher Fett, myth or mouthwatering? Uh, I've been to Dodger Stadium twice, once to cover USC-UCLA uh, in college baseball, second time for a business event. I've had a Dodger dog once there. I, uh, I'm i going to lean myth on this. It was okay. nothing really special. I think I spent too much money on it. I was kind of more into the Micheletta that I also spent way too much money on as well. Um, not big on hot dogs. I do eat them from the time to time. I think the real innovation in L.A. is the street dogs you'll find outside USC, which are bacon-wrapped and usually loaded with like half a jalapeno and a bunch of different sauces. I think if you want to do anything like that, I'll do that. But, I mean, I, I don't avoid See, dogs, but I'm not then, huge What's on interesting them. then, you, you're allure, you, the allure then becomes not the hot dog itself, but all the surrounding additives. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Well, uh, dog is basically a, a, a vehicle for the sauces and toppings, yeah. Except for I, I used to love the deal Tiger Stadium ballpark Franks. Man, I didn't put anything on those. Uh, Bo Benson, you're a pretty big Dodger fan. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, I am. Yes. Okay, Dodger dog myth or uh, or mouth watering? Uh, just fine. I when I go to games, I'll get one just because I'm at Dodger Stadium. They're definitely better there than they are like if you buy them in packs at the grocery store. Um, but you know. I, I'm not going to go crazy for it. I'm not a big hot dog guy, but if, if I'm at the stadium, I do make it a point to get one. It's a it's a thing you do out here in L.A., and transplants don't get it. Uh, fair and enough. And also, uh, yeah, it, just a warning, uh, do not go to Dodger Stadium and say anything negative about Dodger Dogs to Dodger fans. Yeah, I, listen, I, uh, I I I like them, but uh, we're, I'm kind of 0 for 3, but I, I get it. You, you guys, there's no law. It says you have to like them. You know, I'm, I remember I had a marketing professor in college, right, matriculated Cal State Fullerton, and, and he said, you know, in 1978, let me, let me just draw this in because we're kind of 0 for 3 here, and, and I'm not totally unsurprised by your answers because I had a, 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 a marketing professor once say, you know, in 1978, General Motors once had 27% of the car market. It's an, that's unreal. Can you imagine, fast forward to now, if, if you were driving on the road and 27% of the cars were GM cars, the roads would look a lot different. Then he went on to say, that tells you that three out of four people refused to drive a GM car. However, that didn't prevent GM from being the most successful car company in the world. Uh, I get it. I, I get it. I, you know, I talked about it earlier in the show, and some people don't like olives. I'm, I'm one of them. Hell, I'm Italian. But... The Dodger dog somehow seems to pass this test. It, 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 there, there have been, um, there have been, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, study, not not studies, but like, uh, uh, you know, what's the word you use? Like before polls, I guess taken, and and they keep coming out on top. They're at the top of the list, and uh, in, apparently, the I didn't even know this that before the Dodger dog is cooked, it's soaked in in beer. Uh, but continually, uh, in every study every year, the numbers, they wipe everybody else out in terms of the number of dogs they sell. So there's something to that. 
in case you're wondering, the dog that comes in second, uh, I know the Yankees uh, sold the most, but as far as fan favorites, the Chicago dog in Wrigley Field. But again, people put, you know, peppers and pickle spears and tomato wedges. And you're putting all these extra toppings on it. Same with uh, the situation. They have a Cuban dog at in Kansas City, and it's basically an all-beef hot dog, right? It's the vehicle for the dog. Like Chris said, and then you add pulled pork and shaved ham and melted Swiss and mustard and pickles. And by the way, I've been to Okie Dog in L.A. It's out of this world. But again, you for me, if the, the hot dog itself has to has to taste good before I put the other stuff on it. And then, of course, you've got, the, you know, the natural casing dog that Nathan's you'll find at Yankee Stadium. It, they keep it pretty simple there. You don't put a lot of different toppings. I mentioned the Fenway Frank. I think the Fenway Frank is really good. It's similar to the Dodger dog to me. And you just kind of keep it simple. You put mustard on it. Here's the dogs I think that kind of, for me, don't thrill me. And this is just me. In Atlanta, in their new park, the Truist, uh, Truist Park, the home of the, the Braves now, they have what's called the Everything Dog. It's called the Ted, the Everything Dog. How clever is that, right? The dog has everything. You have a foot long, and then this is on the hot dog. You can probably Google this and see it. They add nacho chips, queso, jalapenos, popcorn, and a drizzle of barbecue sauce on a hot dog. Nacho chips, queso, jalapenos, popcorn, and a drizzle of barbecue sauce. I don't know about you. If you put all that on a hot dog and I ate it, you're calling an ambulance. I will go into convulsions. Then in Arizona, they get real cute. It's regional. They have what's called the chicken enchilada dog. And they have that at the home of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And it's basically an 18-inch chicken enchilada made a sausage made of chicken. And they put it in some kind of roll. It's not even a hot dog. And they have what's called queso blanco, which I guess is white cheese, enchilada sauce, pico de gallo, sour cream, black onions, and tortilla strips. Then, of course, in Cincinnati, they got the famous cheese conies. We've joked about Cincinnati chili before, but they throw a little chocolate in there, a little cinnamon, cheese and onions. All right, again, you want to call that ambulance for me. I get it. Uh, The Dodger dog, I think there are a lot of folks who feel that this is sort of this peppy alliteration that's been shoved down our throat. But irrespective of that, it is a thing. You can't sell $3 million of anything and not draw attention when the second place guy is selling $1.2 million. Or you go back all those years and continually there's only a handful of stadiums that even sell $1 million hot dogs. Of course, I would, I would imagine now that because the, ball, the uh, ballpark experience is so much more different now than it ever has been in the past, that there are so many other food choices now that a lot of folks go for other things besides hot dogs, and maybe hot dogs have become an afterthought, and maybe some of us are living in the past, maybe me included. Be that as it may, the Dodger dog, like him, hate him, myth, or mouthwatering, folks do have pretty strong opinions on them, and they appear to be here to stay. Coming up, we pick up our NFL previews. We'll take you to the NFC South and start with the Falcons. But first, let's go back to Brian Finley with the latest. Yeah, Bernie, I'm sure that Mookie Betts had a a Dodger dog or two to celebrate what was his 200th career home run. He did it yesterday in a Dodger 4-2 win against the Giants. That is seven straight wins for L.A. And if you're also tabulating, that is 18 wins in the last 20 games. This one, Julio Urias improved to 9-6 on the season, and he was mowing down those San Fran batters. By the way, the Giants 
Saints are fading. Urias, six innings pitched, no earned runs, five strikeouts. That was his stat line. Shohei Otani hit a home run, but that was a mere footnote in an Angels loss to the Braves 7-2 as Atlanta bumps up to just a half game out of first in the NL East. They are creeping closer to those division-leading Mets as they free fall down the standings with a series of losses in recent times. Manny Machado, two-run homer for the Padres to shut down the Mets again to to one the final score there the Royals best the Rays the Royals best the Rays six to three Brady Singer pulled off a career high 12 strikeouts and speaking of gems of pitching performances Justin Verlander had one for the the Houston Astros as they went up to Seattle and Got a 3-1 win, did Houston. 13 wins on the season for Verlander. Nobody in the bigs has that many victories as a pitcher. The Orioles holding off the Yankees 6-3 in comeback fashion as New York starting hurler Garrett Cole. He blew a three-run lead and dropped his third game of the season. The Brewers crunched the Rockies 9-4. Milwaukee possessing a game-and-a-half lead for first in the NL Central, and that would be over the Cardinals, and they keep close after beating the Reds 6-3. And finally, Bernie, 3M Open PGA Tour through 54 holes with 118 left later on today. The leader is Scott Piercy, minus 18. They had some rain issues that put a pause on the round on Saturday, but Piercy was able to finish up his third round for a four-shot lead, a 66 he carded on Saturday, and he will tee off as part of the final group today at 1235 Eastern. Back to you. All right, thanks, Brian. All right, with every minute this show continues, we inch closer and closer to... Another National Football League season, a week from Thursday, the Los Angeles. Now, why did I just say that? Well, at one time they were, but they are no longer. The Raiders are the Las Vegas Raiders. They will play in the Hall of Fame game versus Jacksonville. And it's that time. NFL conversations continue. Last week, I covered the AFC, strengths and weaknesses. Tonight, we started with the uh, NFC East. And now we will track to the NFC South. And every one of these teams has strengths and and weaknesses. Let's start with the Atlanta Falcons, who really lost, uh, you know, one of the heart and souls of their team, a guy who's probably going to get Hall of Fame votes, never won a Super Bowl, but he did have, what, a uh, 28-3 lead. Well, defense couldn't hold it, whatever, call it what you will, Matt Ryan. I'm talking about the uh, Atlanta Falcons, all right? So, the Falcons finally kind of pushed reset on the roster. Uh, they'd been heading, you know, heading in the wrong direction for a good two years, three years. And uh, their draft was, was pretty good, uh, but it doesn't mean that they're ready to compete. They have a lot, they have some areas of strength as the team tears things down in order to rebuild from what was at one time a, a pretty solid foundation. Uh, their defensive cornerbacks is probably their their, their best strength. Uh, A.J. Terrell was kind of a revelation last year. Casey Hayward <clears throat> showed he had some gas in the tank. So the Falcons got some good corners, but their biggest weakness will be their pass rush. And uh, their weaknesses are extensive, but their pass rush is arguably their biggest issue. For years, uh, they've only basically had Grady Jarrett that you could consider an above-average pass rushers. Their primary pass rushers that are on the edge are rookies in reclamation projects. So 
don't think you can expect a whole hell of a lot out of the Atlanta Falcons uh, uh, this year. Now, the Carolina Panthers, this is interesting because you're going to have the number one and number three pat, uh, pick from four years ago in camp. You're going to have uh, Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. The good news is whoever starts, which I believe it'll be Baker, their biggest strength is actually going to be wide receiver because you could say that that there's a fair amount of excitement that the Panthers roster, which includes DJ Moore, he's been, you know, very consistent in his NFL career. Robbie Anderson, although he's coming off a bad season, but the year before you really saw what he could do in an offense when motivated. You've got Terrace Marshall. And if Carolina can get any kind of solid offensive line play, and if, if Baker Mayfield, who typically when he's got a chip on his shoulder, which is usually always, again, he's coming off the injury season. I think he's been painted into a corner. If he has any kind of season and those, those I would say those receivers can do what they're being paid to do, well, then you have a situation where that will be a strength in Carolina. Their weakness, though, right now, if you're being honest, you can't say their strength is a quarterback. It's it, Their weakness is a quarterback. I've always kind of been partial to Sam Darnold. I feel bad because he, he he's always had like one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel with the multiple offensive coordinators. He had no shot with the Jets, but the experiment in Carolina was a disaster. And the only thing the team could manage to address this offseason was they drafted Matt Corral in the third round to compete. But I'm not super high on Matt Corral just yet because his offense featured in college when he was at Mississippi, his offense featured an RPO over almost half the time. And in the NFL, you run RPO maybe 10% of the time. So I think Baker Mayfield is going to be what the doctor ordered. Uh, although at not, for now, you know, you can't say that's the strength of the team. But don't bet against Baker Mayfield. He might he might do pretty well this year. The Saints, their biggest streak, uh, strength is their secondary, okay? Now, they lost to Marcus Williams, and that's going to hurt the Saints. But the Saints doubled down. They replaced him initially with Marcus May and uh, the Honey Badger, Teran Matthew, once free agency settled. And you've got Marshawn and Lattimore, Chauncey Gardner. The Saints have basically 80%, four of the five positions are are with players that are very capable defensive backs in the NFL. And and they'll have plenty of competition for the fifth spot. you got a couple of rookies coming in, and you've got, a, you know, a Bradley Roby. Uh, and New Orleans basically has a formidable defensive line. You have to give them credit for that. You know, they always seem to have Tom Brady's number. But their secondary is, I believe, uh, the Saints' uh, biggest strength. Now, what's their biggest weakness? James Winston, uh, James Winston may not want to hear this, but it's going to be offensive line. The Saints are, are are long removed from having one of the best offensive lines in the league, but they have been steadily you know, eroding. It's not an overnight thing, so this is something the organization knows about. They have a bunch of no-names. I can tell you who they are, but what does it really matter? They, they grade poorly. And you're going to need a good offensive line, which leads me to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their biggest strength, obviously. Come on, man. It's obvious. It's quarterback. Turns out Tom Brady added to a roster that was already pretty good the year before. Remember, Winston threw 36 interceptions, and and 10 of them were or like six of them were the first drive of the game. Six of them were pick sixes. Six of them were in the fourth quarter when they were leading. And that basically meant 
that you know that that precluded Tampa Bay from being a ten and six team when they played sixteen games and they were seven and nine. Would you bring Brady in? Now even at forty five years old, right? He finished the regular season in twenty twenty one with the best PFF grade in the NFL at ninety two. He was top ten in big time throw rates. He doesn't turn the ball over. He throws touchdown passes. He, he listen. As long as Tom Brady is healthy, that team is going to compete. Now, losing Rob Gronkowski is, I think, pretty big. That's going to make tight end a weakness, right? It's entirely plausible that as soon as the grind of training camp is over, maybe Brady puts in a call to Gronk and maybe, ah, what the hell, Mom, find my football pants, and he comes back. But until that point, I think the tight end situation is going to be weaker than previous seasons. Although uh, Cameron Brait, maybe he'll step up, but he's still no Rob Gronkowski. And I know Rob Gronkowski has doubled down, tripled down, quadrupled down and said, hey, I'm not coming back. Okay, I'm not coming back. But you never say never. So I think when you look at the NFC South, it's obviously still Tampa Bay, the class of the division. New Orleans has had their number. They do have good defensive backs. They do give a hard time to Tampa Bay. Don't know what you can expect out of Carolina, and I certainly don't know what you can expect out of Atlanta. I think you can expect not a lot out of Atlanta. So there you have it. Doesn't matter. This is July still. Every team we talk about has strengths and they have weaknesses, and no one's played a single game yet, so you can't get too excited. We talked about this last week's show. Every year, except for one or two, since the year 2000, somebody who finished last finished first the next year. That's happened every year except one or two. And in 2018, you actually had two teams go from last to first. The Houston Texans were one, quarterback by some guy named Deshaun Watson. And then, of course, you had um, the uh, uh, Chicago Bears in 2018 fin- uh, go from last to first. They were quarterback by Mitch Trubisky, first-year coach. Matt Nagy, see how things change. Nagy's not there anymore. Trubisky's not there anymore. You go to the playoffs, two out of four years. This is why the NFL being so fluid in in everything that it is, you have to take this state of mind, and that is there are no perfect teams. Someone's going to have a weakness. Someone's going to have a strength. The idea is what can you do to put your best foot forward? So as we give these early analyses, they're generic. In future shows, as we head up to – the NFL regular season, which will be the first week in September, slightly afterward, we'll get more granular onto which who we think will win each individual division and why, who the surprise teams will be and why. We're a ways off from that yet. We're kind of starting off at about 30,000 feet. Coming up, Jimmy G. He's a name I think you're going to start to hear a little bit more about. And uh, what's going to happen? Well, I'll tell you what we think is going to happen. Coming up, I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play all right back on fox sports sunday fox sports radio i'm bernie fratto coming to you live from the las vegas fox sports radio studios we're about 12 minutes away from yep the dance sensation sweeping the nation we call it brand new fool what kind of brand new fool are you followed of course by by what my name jimmy g is uh, now has permission to seek a trade and there are Four or five destinations are, that are being bandied about. Uh, one of them is the New York Giants. I don't believe he'll end up there. One is the Seattle Seahawks. I don't uh, believe he'll end up there. No, come on. The Seahawks aren't going to offer much, and they're division rivals, so that's just bad business. You don't trade with your division rival. The Atlanta Falcons may have jumped into the fray. The Cleveland Browns, nah, they've already got their four guys in their in their in their. Uh, quarterback room which is what they said they wanted to have and so they've got four now even if one of those four names currently is not Deshaun Watson yeah Josh Rosen uh, he's a cigar store Indian but he'll be part of the room so I don't think it's I don't think Jimmy G will go to Cleveland in, in, in a minute I'll tell you where I think he I got a gut feel this may be coming in from left field but I I'll tell you why where I think he's gonna go so his agents last week were given permission to seek a trade. Obviously, one of the issues here is that teams are unwilling to really seriously consider any trade until they are completely sure his shoulder has healed. But be that as it may, doesn't mean he can't talk. And remember, I don't. You know, I like Garoppolo, man. He won seventy percent of his games. Um, he's like thirty-eight and fifteen as a starter. He's completed sixty-nine percent of his passes. Last year, he threw for almost 3,900 yards. Uh, he had a 98.7 passer rating. If Jaquaski Tart does not drop the arm punt from Stafford, I'd say the Niners win that game. Jimmy G goes back to a second Super Bowl. Uh, they had Kansas City down. The Niners did by 10 with about seven minutes to go, and their defense couldn't hold it. That isn't Jimmy G's fault. And when you look among active quarterbacks, Jimmy G's 7, 0.702 is his winning percentage. It's behind only Patrick Holmes, 
Tom Brady, and Lamar Jackson. So the Jimmy G bashing, I'm not here for it. So where, where could Jimmy G end up? I actually think, wait for it, it could be the Houston Texans. Now why? First of all, you have to look at the players involved, and you have to look at what can, what can be offered in the way of a trade for Jimmy G. Now, before I even go down that road, the connection between Jimmy Garoppolo and the Texans has been a talking point behind closed doors for one obvious reason. Most prominently, the Texans have a general manager named Nick Casario. He was involved in the drafting of Jimmy Garoppolo in New England back in 2014 when Casario was the Patriots' director of player personnel. Now, I get it. If they're building for their future, the Texans need to hold on to draft picks. And they might not have a lot of talent that San Francisco actually wants, so their package is going to be weak. Houston does have two third-round and three sixth-round picks in 2023. Now, one of each could be enough depending on what the market dictates. Anything more than that feels like it might be too much for someone who's coming off surgery and the surgery is on his throwing shoulder. Also, look, I think the Texans have a pretty little quarterback there in Davis Millers and uh, Davis Mills. And I think obviously, you know, there's no way this deal could happen and not have him affected somewhat. And I would also say when you talk to NFL people, the general thought, the general consensus around the National Football League is that Davis Mills showed more than enough during his rookie season to earn a legitimate shot to be a starter in Houston. And as you well know, what do they call it in NFL? Not for long. All right. It's, this is not, they're not in the feelings business. So Davis Mills could have his feelings hurt, but if you get a quarterback of the caliber of Jimmy G, maybe the Texans who were, they didn't have a great record last year, but they were somewhat competitive. Now, how does this work with the Texans cap? Therein lies the rub. It really doesn't currently. The Texans have a little more than $9 million in cap space, but there is room to potentially repackage Jimmy G's $24 million salary, $24.2 million to be exact. That's his base salary for less money since it's not guaranteed. Plus, keep in mind, the Texans have an eye towards 2023 when they're projected to be among the lead leaders in cap space. Again, regardless of the Patriots' connection for a team still in the early stages, of a rebuild and focused on accumulating draft picks, they'll probably end up staying with Mills, but I think Texans could be a fit more so than the Browns, more so than the Giants, more so than the Falcons. I think Jimmy Gee is a good quarterback. Coming up, what kind of brand new fool are you and what my name? Keep it locked. I'm Bernie Fratto. This is Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. The Fox Sports Sunday train keeps rolling right along. We've got three in the books, one to go. Man, we're just getting started. we got all kinds of stuff in this final hour. Bottom of the hour, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. I'll have some closing thoughts later in the show. You want to attend your Major League Baseball game? I'll tell you which stadiums are the most expensive, which are the least expensive. Notre Dame going anywhere? I might get to that as well, but first... It's this time every week the nation waits with abated breath for a segment that we affectionately and lovingly call What Kind of Brand New Fool Are You? 
That's right. You see, every day, every week across this great land and around the world, there are a plethora of stories of people acting in ways that can only leave us with a conclusion and asking ourselves, what kind of brand new fool are you? And this week, well, this story I'm about to tell you, it almost sounds like something from a bizarre movie plot, but it's not only real life, it's from my former hometown of Detroit, Michigan. Meet Kula Kiwante Short. She is identified as a woman who filed a lawsuit against a gentleman named Richard Jordan for a date back in 2020. She claims he caused emotional distress because... The date fell on her late mom's birthday. They both now they both appeared in court recently for a hearing where Judge Herman Marable questioned if Jordan would be representing herself in the civil case. It's my understanding that Mr. Jordan stood up Miss Short. To be honest with you, sir, quote, I thought this was gonna get thrown out. We went one on one, one date, now I'm being sued for ten thousand. I don't think this is gonna go any further. I think it's a waste of your time. Well, the hearing was done via Zoom, and it went sideways very quickly as the plaintiff, Kashante Short, started yelling at the judge, and the judge started yelling back, and she said something about perjury and says, I don't think you know what perjury is, and then Short replied, please don't insult my intelligence, judge. Do not do that. Do not insult my intelligence. I know what perjury means, and it went on and on and on, and the argument continued on, but that's not all. It turns out Short then realized, then realized she didn't even file her lawsuit in the right court, and it was all about a date that she was stood up on two years before. She thought it might even be a criminal offense, and now if Miss Short wants to refile, she'll have to go to circuit court. Lord help us. What kind of brand new fool are you? Chris Perfett. All right, Bernie. It is uh, media days across college football. I love it. I have been to a Big Ten media days before. I've been to Mac media days up in Detroit. I've been to all of them. I love doing them. However, uh, we got to talk about one person's habits at a media day. Will Levis, quarterback for the Kentucky Wildcats, recently came over from Penn State, and he decided, look, I, I am no stranger to weird coffee mixtures. I've gone on before. I like doing iced coffee or cold brew coffee with some Coca-Cola. That's that's a concoction I enjoy. Will Levis, though, takes it a, a step further. He sat down and showed everyone, and he was very he was very pleased with himself showing everyone. They took a cup of coffee at SEC Media Days and then poured in. I'm watching this video right now. I cannot tell you. One, two, three, four, five, six globs of mayonnaise. He took mayonnaise in his coffee. He takes mayonnaise in his coffee. Now, this is Will Levis. He's the quarterback at Kentucky. Yes. You, you, oh, yes. okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So that is this. So he was he was just showing this off. You can find the video out there, and uh, he enjoys mayonnaise in his coffee. If that's how he gets wow. down, that's how he gets down. Um, I just think it's a very 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 foolish concoction and uh, very wow. disgusting. Not exactly an appetizing pregame meal. I mean, maybe he's going for an NIL deal with, like, Hellman's or Kraft or something, but right. I don't know if that's something you want to put on TV. If you're putting that in your coffee, I wonder what he put on his Dodger dog. But I digress. Uh, Brian Fenley. Yes, Bernie. You know, viral videos in sports, they're not always just pertaining to the action on the field or the game being played on the hardwood. Sometimes it could be a fan doing something. It could also be a ball boy doing something in – a baseball game or a bat boy that is and we saw yesterday 
the A's bat boy had this remarkable diving catch. That's not foolish. What is foolish is this came out, Bernie, I'd say about a week ago, where the Rays bat boy, who actually was sort of camping out right of the the foul line and was sort of the one retrieving balls when you know they'd go past the dugout right of the baseline or right of the uh, the first baseline. And and so there's a dribbler that that comes to him, and there are like six or seven Rays players behind him, and so it's the Bat Boy's job here to pick up the ball and not. Did you see this? It, it, terrible. Yeah. His his feet, his base was so narrow when he bit. Yeah, continue on. I was going to say, Bert, terrible. How do you not pick that up? But anyway, what was funny about it? Not only was that when he, put, when, when he put the glove down, he he missed the ball. But then the the players behind him were all heckling him, and they all made fun of him because it's yes. sort of like a ping ponged around the players' legs and ended up hitting you know some of the guys, and they were making fun of him. I thought that was hilarious, Bertie, and I thought that was foolish. I, I thought it was, too. I, I, it got a laugh out of me. I saw the video two or three times, and I looked at that kid, and I'm thinking to myself, there's no way this kid even played high school baseball. No, no. I mean, you, you look at the base, the wide base you're supposed to have as an infielder, and the way you move, and his general his, his general reactions were so bad. It got, i tell you what it got me to thinking, Brian. Yeah. Don't you have to have a base level of talent to have that damn job? You know, I would think you would. How do you get that job? You know somebody. I, of course. But, yes. but I would say that if you are really good at showing off those skills, there are teams like the A's or teams that are cheap that might want to think about bringing a bat boy on for a tryout. I don't think that. I, I don't think that really. Yeah. I don't think he, that one, that particular guy is. But he does have a lifelong memory. And I love, Bernie, the exaggerated reactions from the players behind him. Because clearly, it, it was more of just them heckling him than anything else. But they were, you know, saying things to him. And it, it was a lot of fun. But certainly, it made the rounds on social media. And it was very entertaining. And, of course, many, many years ago, around 72 or 73, the most famous bad boy in the history of the Oakland A's, hired by Charlie Finley himself, a young man by the name of Stanley Burrell, also known as MC Hammer. Oh, I did he not was, know that. Yes, he was a bad boy. All right, Bull Benson, what do you got for us, buddy? Oh, uh, mine will be real quick here because uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure everybody saw the uh, Blue Jays beat the Red Sox 28 to five. Yes, uh, led by <laughs> Red Sox center fielder uh, Jaron Duran, absolutely losing a ball. It was popped up in center field, uh, leading to an inside-the-park grand slam. Um, my issue with it is uh, Jaron Duran losing the ball, turning around to see it fall behind him, and then just kind of standing there yes. in disbelief and not doing any, not trying to go get it, not not making any attempt to even look like he was concerned about the fact that he just uh, gave up an inside-the-park grand slam. So uh, Jer- Jaron Duran is definitely a, a very big fool this week. Yeah, we're we're in agreement on that one. He was uh, Duran, Jaron Duran Duran when it came to chasing that ball was not hungry like the wolf. You rock and roll fans that don't know that you'll have to. Oh, wow. oh. I was going to say he's kind of said no moss to that. You, you guys, uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys got that one, man. That was a big time band, Duran Duran. All right, another rousing edition of of uh, of uh, what kind of brand new fool you, which of course leads us to our second favorite. Dance sensation sweeping the nation, something that we very lovingly refer to as What My Name. 
All right, Dodger fans, here we go. I was a great Dodger pitcher, and if I were alive, I would be 85 years old today. Brian Finley, what my name? Tim Biakabatuka? <laughs> Former running back in Michigan. I, I have fond memories because my very first year at WTK, he was just starting uh, running back then. Tishimunga Biakabatuka. All right, I was a great Dodgers pitcher. If I were still alive, I would have been 85 years old today. Chris Perfett. Uh, um, Don Drysdale? Bam! Wow. Wow, I just threw that blind. <laughs> he was married, of course, to Andy Myers, the sister of, of Dave Myers, and he was part of the Koufax uh, you know, duo. He, he was quite a pitcher. Died suddenly in his hotel room, I think, on July 4th. Uh, I know it was 1993. I was traveling that day. I was actually in Michigan. Okay, too much information. All right. I am now part of the Lakers coaching fraternity. Forever I will be part of the Lakers coaching fraternity. And today I had my 49th birthday. Bo Benson, what my name? Uh, Darvin Ham. Bam! You guys are on fire tonight! See if we can sweep the board. See if we can sweep the board. On this day in 1996, I scored a 9.7 on the vault to clinch the gold medal in the 96 Olympics. This was the first ever U.S. women's gymnastics gold medal, and I clinched it in 1996. Uh, Chris Perfett, what my name? Uh, I have nothing for the track and field category here. I, I well, no, this is gymnastics. <laughs> oh, gymnastics. Okay. Yeah, gymnastics. All right. All right. On this day in 1996, I scored a 9.7 on the vault to clinch a gold medal, the first ever for the U.S. women's gymnastics team in history. Brian Finley, what my name? Nadia Comedici? That would have been a pretty good guess, but I think she played for a different country. That's true. Yeah, but but still not a bad guess. You, uh, okay, moving on. Let's see if we can go three for three. And when you guys hear this name, you're going to go, oh, man, I remember that. All right. On this day in 1996, I scored 9.7 on the vault to clinch a first-ever gold medal for the U.S. women's gymnastics team. Bo Benson, what my name? Uh, me. Nicely <laughs> 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 done on the effects. It's actually Carrie Strug. She's been in commercials and everything. Do you, do you guys remember Carrie Strug? She was on a bum leg and everything. I mean, she made, uh, she made grown men. <laughs> Can't say I do. Former Never heard pitcher. of <laughs> I love this. All right, love it, guys. Two for three. Two out of three ain't bad, Meatloaf. All right, two more to go. Let's see if we can go uh, four out of five. On this day in 2002, which happened to be my birthday, I hit three home runs for the Boston Red Sox. Chris Perfett, what my name? Uh, Big Poppy. Not bad, no, but not bad. On this day in 2002, on my birthday, I hit three home runs for the Boston Red Sox. Brian Finley, what my name? Well, so, Bernie, your birthday is March 34th, and I'm trying to thank you. Uh, Nomar Garcia Parra. <laughs> Bam! It was Nomar Garcia Parra. Oh, Let's go. All right, I, f- I got a feeling you guys are going to get this one. I got a feeling you're going to get this one, okay? But... You're going back into the deep freezer, but not that much because this is a real historic baseball moment, okay? 
Today, in 1983, was the famous Pine Tar game at Yankee Stadium. I was the Yankees manager at the time who told the umpires to check George Brett's bat. Bo Benson, what my name? Oh, Joe Torrey. I'm sorry. On this day, in 1983, was the famous Pine Tar game at Yankee Stadium. I'm the Yankees manager who told the umpires to check George Brett's bat. Chris Perfett, what my name? Uh, Buck Showalter. Not bad. Not bad guesses. Nope. All right. Today in 1983 was the famous Pine Tar game at Yankee Stadium. I'm the Yankees manager who told the umpires to check George Brett's bat. Brian Finley, what my name? Well, Bernie, when you said you were going back in the freezer, I thought you were referencing Ted Williams. But <laughs> I, I... Okay, start start the clock over. That's not bad. Yeah. Jim Rome once called him the splendid popsicle. Or something. <laughs> I, hey, a true story. No one likes a name dropper, yeah. and I always drop names. Swear to God, on a $48 Bible, I had dinner with Ted Williams in 1992 at the San Diego, uh, at the, at the uh, Fan Fest. All really? Right. Yeah, big I, I did. It wasn't just me. It was three or four of us, but yeah, but go ahead. Let's go with, with the umpire, Joe West. No, that no, he wasn't the umpire. It was the manager who told the umpire. That's the name I'm looking for. Hmm, I don't know. Oh, it's, I, Billy, it's Billy Martin. Hmm. And the great thing about that story, because, I mean, there was almost enough there to do a 30 for 30. Uh, you can only have pine tar so far up your bat, and uh, and Billy Martin had observed that you, what you do is you lay a bat cross home plate, and if the pine tar amount on your bat exceeds the width of home plate, it's an illegal bat. So Billy Martin noticed this. George Brett goes up, hits a home run. Now, if he'd have struck out, I'm guessing Billy Martin wouldn't have said anything. So he goes up, hits a home run, George Brett does, and Billy Martin... Goes to the umpire. They measure the bat. The umpire throws up his fist. He's out. And that's that famous visual. You, you could find it on YouTube all day long. They, they, it seems like they show it on SportsCenter once a month. George Brett just comes flying out of the dugout, loaded for a bear. It looks like he's going to kill somebody. The game was played under protest. They had to finish the game, which took like 18 minutes about three weeks later because uh, the Yankees won the protest. And that became famously known as, of course, uh, the Pine Tar game. Very rousing edition of uh, both uh, segments tonight. The cards and letters uh, just keep coming in. Everybody loves What My Name and, of course, Brand New Fool. What kind of brand new fool are you? Coming up, will Notre Dame join a conference? I have a quick update about what's taking place there, and I'll let you know. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios here in Las Vegas. Coming up here in about eight minutes, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. You know, they may call them friendlies, but when it comes to Premier League soccer, it's still big business. Speaking of big business... Notre Dame is currently allegedly negotiating a $75 million TV contract with NBC. Now, there are a lot of moving parts to this, so you can't draw any conclusions too quickly. To give this this some perspective, Notre Dame's 
current contract with NBC calls for about $15 million annually. Now, that may not sound a lot like now because of all the things happening with conference realignment, but that that's, that's going to change. But before we before anybody loses their mind on this, now, first of all, I don't expect anything to happen for at least a year because Notre Dame is very much taking a wait-and-see component. It's my understanding that this potential contract with NBC is, uh, well, it's a situation that may be predicated on Notre Dame having to join the Big Ten to collect that money. Now, what does Notre Dame want? They want their independence. They want the opportunity to earn big money. And they want a defined path to the playoff. They want all three. And so I'm told by moles I trust that Notre Dame first very much wants to see what the next college football play format's going to look like. The current college football playoff format expires in 2025. Now, if the new format is favorable to, quote, at-large teams, then it's hard for me to imagine that Notre Dame is going to, you know, join a conference. Uh, because if they can still get money, now, maybe NBC negotiates that downward and says, okay, well, we're only going to give you $60 million, not seventy-five. I think that would be enough for Notre Dame to maintain their independence and still have that path uh, to the playoffs. The bottom line is nothing nothing is Im- imminent, okay? Notre Dame, I, I, I they've had this love-hate relationship with the Big Ten for 80 years. Notre Dame snubbed the Big Ten, oh, goodness, back in the 40s and then did it again around 94, and it was very much of a situation uh, that – you know, it was like, well, you might need us, but we we really we really don't need you. And so, it's hard for me that Notre it's hard for me to believe that Notre Dame would go to the ACC for football. They're already part of the ACC for all Olympic sports, and actually, Notre Dame is part of the Big Ten for hockey. We don't know the future of the Pac-12, which is no longer the Pac-12 with USC and UCLA leaving, even though it's going to be a couple of years. And the Big 12 and right on down the line. I, my gut tells me Notre Dame finds a way to stay independent. But that doesn't mean that it can't happen. What I do, I, I guess the overriding point I'm trying to make here, even though you will hear that Notre Dame is negotiated with NBC for $75 million, you will hear that the Big 10 will, I believe, make an overture, and so will the ACC for Notre Dame. I don't think you're going to see anything happen for a while, right? And And how these dealings proceed over the course of the next few weeks, the next few months, I think people are also watching Notre Dame and taking a wait and see because that could have a massive effect on any further potential realignment. Now, the Big Ten, they're in the middle of renegotiating its own deal with several suitors. Now, they're reportedly waiting for the Fighting Irish to make a move before they, you know, add additional teams. I don't think the Big Ten will add any additional teams for a while, but I still think they can or they might. I mean, you keep hearing the same usual suspects. I don't really know what to believe. You know, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal, they're under consideration, but they're all contingent on what Notre Dame does. I don't know. I don't know how much I believe all that. You know, you got to remember when the Big Ten got USC and UCLA, what they got were the L.A. TV market. And when the Big Ten got Rutgers, they got the New York TV market. When the Big Ten added Maryland, they were able to procure a Washington, D.C. TV market. And. I understand that Notre Dame's impending decision can serve as a catalyst for more football realignment, but and nothing is set in stone. Uh, 
But I think Notre Dame, remember, their their rights deal, their grant of rights deal expires in 2025. Now, the Big Ten expires in 2023, which makes it sort of interesting. But again, the moral of the story is that although Notre Dame is talking to NBC, I don't think anything is imminent. And I think people have to kind of kind of pump the brakes. Coming up, we've got this week's edition of Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. But first, let's go back to Brian Finley one last time for the latest. From the world of soccer to the world of Major League Baseball, where the Braves show their dominion over the Angels. 7-2, the final score yesterday. Shohei Otani did hit a home run, but ultimately it's Atlanta taking a step closer to first in the NL East. They're a half game back of that feat, which is that position held by the Mets, and they continue to nosedive, falling to the Padres yesterday, 2-1. Manny Machado hit a two-run homer for San Diego. The Dodgers got home runs, a seven straight win or a seventh straight win as they beat the Giants four to two. Julio Urias improving to nine and six on the season for LA, and he shut down those San Fran batters, giving up no earned runs in six innings of work and striking out five. Brady Singer had an abundance of strikeouts, 12. That would be a career high for him on the way to guiding the Royals past the Rays, 6-3. to three. Justin Verlander coming in strong for what is his 13th one of the season on the bump as the Astros overwhelm the Mariners, 3-1. to one. The Orioles clip the Yankees, 6-3 to three in comeback fashion. Garrett Cole... Rarely do you see this from him, blowing a three-run lead. He is now 9-3 and three on the season, his record, as he picks up his third L. The Brewers serve an L to the Rockies, 9-4 to four the final there. Milwaukee owns a game-and-a-half lead for first in the NL Central over the Cardinals, who are right behind them, and St. Louis got things done against the Reds with a W, 6-3. to three the final there and then finally with golf taking place that over in minnesota it's the 3m open pga tour one round to go final round coming up later on today scott piercy possesses the lead at minus 18 a four-shot lead a 66 he threw down on saturday was able to get things in well below par after what was a weather delay that impacted the third round on saturday but a 66 and a four-shot lead. He will tee off as part of a three-man group in that final pairing today at 12.35 Eastern. With that, let's get it back to Las Vegas and Bernie Frado. Okay, thank you, Brian. All right, this time every week, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer, and I. there's never a shortage of subject matter. And even though the European season is still a little bit – it's it's not here yet – there's already drama, and they may call these matches friendlies, but sometimes they're anything but friendlies. We bring you Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. The greatest goals. I've just seen the most insane goal I've ever seen. The thrilling finishes. The international drama. El Chicharito, Chicharito, Chicharito. Ahí, ahí la tiene Torrado. It's all here in this report from the world of soccer. That's right, Bernie. We're about a week and change out now. August 5th is when Premier League comes back, and I'm uh, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to have it back. It's going to be the good 
warm-up for me before the NFL season. But yeah, we're in friendly season right now, and it's anything but. I just watched a fight between Real Madrid and Barcelona. Um, I think that was in, was that in Vegas this week? I can't remember. It was. Yeah. It was. In, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just hoping up to make it up for that match because I know they were playing that and like Juventus was playing uh, Chivas. But uh, yeah, no, they got in a scuffle there. But the other the other conflicts are more about what happens off uh, with the results. So for those who don't know, friendlies is basically, this has become a big exhibition, especially for Premier League teams and for other big brands out of UEFA kind of trek the globe. Paris Saint-Germain's been on a very big uh, Japan tour. There's teams over in South Korea. Here in the United States, we have the clash of the international clash of nations between Premier League teams and Major League Soccer, the American the American League, and they just go all over. They do these they do these a lot and it's been very big for growing the the brand. I know our own Jonas Knox kind of joked that there would be nobody in attendance at Lambeau Field for Manchester City versus Bayern Munich. Uh, we have the attendance numbers from that. S- over 78,000 people showed up in the driving rain. <laughs> it was de- the rain. The game was delayed, and 78,128 final attendance at Lambeau Field, the the holy grail of professional football in America, and they were all there to watch Manchester City get a one a uh, 1-0 win over Bayern Munich. Let, so, let me jump in real quick. Yeah, you mentioned ahead. Real Madrid versus Barcelona. Barcelona won one to nothing here in Las Vegas. So I was at the stadium yesterday and there was extra security. You know why? These two teams played last year. There was a 200-person brawl after the game. Yeah, it was a friendly and there was a 200-person brawl. Yeah, El Clasico gets down in very in very hard ways. That that rivalry even when it's preseason, even when there's nothing on the line, Barcelona and Real Madrid, they everyone in that or in those organizations are drilled the minute they get in there that it's it's pride on the line. No matter what the stakes, no matter what the what the outcome, Real Madrid wants to beat Barcelona, Barcelona wants to beat Real Madrid. It is one of the greatest rivalries in the world. Not so great, however. You might have heard of uh, you might not have heard of this one. This might be a new rivalry for the future. Minnesota United, right now fifth in the Western Conference of Major League Soccer, and Everton, who was almost relegated last year from the Premier League, uh, in their friendly, Everton um, lost to Minnesota United for nothing. Um, there's not much to say here other than just. It's embarrassing if you're Everton. Uh, Minnesota United is not even one of these powerhouses like Toronto FC or LAFC. And yeah, in friendlies, you're kind of, it's it's, it's a little bit of a preseason. You're kind of playing different rotations. You want to see what you've got in some of your guys. You're not going to, if you're like Chelsea, you're not playing Raheem Sterling out there at the same time as Christian Pulisic. But for, for, a, for a Premier League side to get beat down by four goals, is enough to throw trouble onto the side of Everton. This is, again, a club that just barely avoided relegation last year. It is one of the big brands, one of the big names of of the Premier League. They've been down on their luck, but no reason whatsoever to be losing to an American side by four goals. Almost yeah, as... Yeah, that, that's, like, that's like 49 to nothing in football. <laughs> yeah, this is like... This is like uh, well, we did see it. This is like App State beating Michigan. 
September 1st, 2007. I was there. That App State, mm-hmm. yeah, that App State team was good. Go ahead. Yeah. So the other one that was concerning, and maybe this has thrown fuel onto the fire of a fire we've talked about, I think, a lot, and we've got another update on them trying to trade their biggest star. Manchester United was forced to a preseason draw with Aston Villa, and it was enough to really put the um, – it was a really it was a lot to put kind of the the emphasis once again back on that something something is really str- the struggle is really on at Manchester United you know it's it's a new manager Eric Ten Hag but I the Aston Villa is not a side that they really should be drawing against in any which way so it was it was a bit troubling and once again it once again puts the emphasis on what's going to happen with Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is saying he's looking to take this is off the mail uh, Ronaldo is saying he's looking to take a pay cut in order to leave Manchester United so that might be that might be something they do and I know that another rumor is saying that United will only allow Ronaldo to leave on a loan so no they still once again it's it's we're getting closer and closer to the season Bernie Ronaldo has still not gotten his his re- request to leave Manchester United Real quickly, speaking of Real Madrid, a guy who spent six years there had a big moment last night in Los Angeles, scored his first ever MLS goal. I don't know what it is about these soccer stars that come from across the pond. I mean, when Zlatan came over two or three years ago, dude, his first game out of the box. They scored these amazing goals, and I didn't see Gareth Bale's goal, but I heard it was spectacular. It was a, they would say in England, it's a cracker. Uh, They, yeah, I think these guys kind of come in, and I, I'm not going to poo-poo the the level of competition too much, but sometimes you get to you get to show some guys how it's done. I know a lot of American players; they don't really get the ball airborne as much in MLS. I think that's one of the reasons I stopped watching it. There wasn't really that athletic for a lot of things, and Gareth Bale comes in and just dominates, and he's going to be someone I really keep an eye on. We're, we're getting closer and cur- closer to the World Cup. And uh, we're going to get very soon to my favorite time of the year during a World Cup year, Bernie, when the kits come out. We've already seen some of them come out. I just saw Mexico's jerseys out. They are beautiful. It is a time where Adidas, Nike, Puma all line up and show their best stuff. But uh, I know I know I think we're still about a month or so away from that, maybe a little bit more. But I would imagine around like late August, September, we're going to start to see the jerseys come out and i'm going to start uh, losing a lot of money because i like to buy a lot of them well i, don't I will know, be I, buying I, I will be buying whales i let you i will let you know that. I, will get a, I will get a whales gareth bale jersey yes. got to here's a guy five-time uefa champion comes off the bench by the way to get that bowl in their, in their goal to get there's something about the star power that these guys have he was a star at la liga he's been a star in the premier league and he steps, he steps in, you know, he's under carrying Orlando. his, he's carrying his country to the World Cup. What else he can is. you say? He's he, done everything. He, he is, and people I don't think realize that. But then he comes over and plays for, a, you know, a, an MLS team and does that. That's star power, man. That's that's star power. And I mean, people at LFC appreciate it. It is, it is a seems like a pretty humble guy rising. too. He, he is, he is. He also likes golf around here, and I know there's plenty of golf courses around here for him to enjoy. All right, there you have it, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. Every week at this time, there's never a shortage of news. European League, less than two weeks away. And again, it is a World Cup year. And the World Cup, to me, is always one of those things. Well, yeah, it's World Cup year. People talk about it. I will never look at it the same 
because I covered the World Cup in 94 when uh, the U.S. hosted four contests, four matches at the Silverdome, the old Silverdome in Pontiac, Michigan. I saw the USA tie Switzerland in game one, and people were going nuts and dancing in the streets. And then, of course, the famous game where Baggio's missed shot seen around the world, Italy lost Brazil. Uh, at the Rose Bowl in 88 degrees, there was 100,000 people there. It was a spectacular setting. When the, World Cups get, when the World Cup gets here and the World Cup actually starts, I promise you it will take on an entirely different dynamic. And what's interesting, I didn't really think of this till a minute ago, to be right in the middle of the NFL season. But regardless, uh, a lot of those games will be during the week. And like I said, uh, we talked about last week, USA opens up against England on that Friday, sandwiched between an NFL triple header and uh, Ohio State, Michigan. That Friday before Thanksgiving, I believe it will be the most watched soccer game involving a U.S. team in history. Coming up, you want to go to a Major League Baseball game, depending on the stadium you go to, between your ticket, your beer, your soda, your hot dog, and parking, boy, it can dramatically range from high to low i'll give you the best and worst so you can make your plans accordingly i'm bernie fratter we're coming to you live from the las vegas fox sports radio studios don't go away you're listening to fox sports sunday and fox sports radio we're back on fox sports sunday fox sports radio i'm bernie fratter coming to you live from the las vegas fox sports radio studios i want to thank you for joining us my before i go any further i want to thank my broadcast team for all their help that would be Brian Finley on the updates, Chris Perfett, and Bo Benson. They've been with me since 11 p.m. Pacific Saturday night. Could not bring this fine show to a grateful nation without their help turning all the dials, keeping us uh, glued together. You want to go to a Major League Baseball game? Well, depending on the city you live in, there is a vast delta between the top and the bottom as to what you will pay. Now, these figures I'm going to give you, by the way, are predicated on a family of four or four people attending a game. So four tickets, four hot dogs, four beers, two sodas, and then, of course, you got to park, right? Assuming you park. And the most expensive stadium for four people, four hot dogs, four beers, sodas, and parking the Boston Red Sox. The total you'll you'll be out for that is $324.37. Now part of it is, part of it's because Boston has the most expensive ticket. Average ticket price is 6171. I don't care. You go to Fenway, you set aside your shekels. If you've never been to Fenway, you've got to get there. Stop at the Cask and Flagon before the game. It's a it's a sensational experience to go to Fenway Park, but you will pay. They, interestingly enough, Boston does not feature the most expensive beer. That distinguishment is from the New York Mets, a beer, the most expensive single beer in baseball, according to the research I have. You'll pay $12 for a beer at uh, at the Met, it, where the Mets play. And, uh, and I've actually been there. Yeah, it, it, it ain't cheap. By the way... The Boston Red Sox also don't feature the most expensive soda. Their sodas are $5.50, but the most expensive soda, it's actually a two-way tie between the Dodgers and the Giants. They both charge $6.50 for a soda. The Giants 
of these five categories. They actually need three of them. They're down the way a piece a little bit on the ticket. Their average ticket price is just around 40 bucks, but they have the most expensive soda at 650. They have the most expensive hot dog at 750, and they have the most expensive parking, $28.20. How they arrived at that figure, who the hell knows? But you will pay more to park in San Francisco at that game, at that stadium. Now, when I went there, it was Pac Bell Park. I, you know, it's changed names. You smell the garlic fries. Another, again, another great fan experience. Uh, the least expensive park. Again, if you want a family of four or four people, four hot dogs, four beers, four sodas, or you know, parking and such. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks offer the least expensive experience. Now, remember. For all those things at Boston Red Sox, the total year out of pocket, $324. The Arizona Diamondbacks, $126.34. You can go to almost three Diamondbacks games and what it would cost you to go to one Boston Red Sox game. The Diamondbacks also feature the least expensive ticket in uh, all of baseball, $22.12 compared to Boston's $61.71. In case you were interested, Boston sits at the top of the list, but they've only nudged out the Chicago Cubs by $12. Those same four people partaking in parking, hot dogs, beers, and sodas will spend $312 at a Cubs game. Yankees game, you would have thought, I might have thought they'd have been the most expensive, but believe it or not, they're not. A mere $302. They're $22 less then their partners, and right on down the line, Houston, Washington. We talked about Dodger dogs earlier in the show. Dodger game, family of four. You'll spend about $265. What's interesting is the Oakland A's are still in the top half. $204 you'll spend. Plenty of sections available, by the way. Have you seen when they show the highlights Brian talked about the Bat Boys gaff the other day where the, actually the ball boys, when he couldn't field the ground ball, he looked looked like a potential future A's prospect. And of course, a joke. Uh, there's there's no one there. This would be a good year to paint the seats because there's no one ever there. And yet, if you're going to corral three of your best friends and, and make it a foursome and you decide to drink beer, have a couple sodas, and have each have a hot dog and park, you're going to spend $204 to attend a game in Oakland. By the way, this may sound like a lot. I may continue this next week because just for one person to attend a game and eat and drink, it's way more expensive in the NFL. It's way more expensive in the NBA, and it's even way more expensive in the NHL. So even with all of that in mind, baseball is still the best value of the four major sports, even if you're in Oakland. All right, that's going to do it for Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Keep it locked. Up next, Brian No and Andy Furman. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.